0: Recording live too, and then see it. I say it, it happens. I love that feeling. Kind of feels like I'm throwing out, even though my sister's in charge of the controls. She loves to tell you that. Anyways, good morning, everyone. It is what is it? It's Thursday. We know what that is. To Sisters that is trending Thursday. Good morning, everyone. This is Carol Sue, aka Nani Boss, Lady Can alive from a kind of a
1: gloomy, little chilly because I've got a sweatshirt on, Vero Beach with two sisters. And hey, good morning, everyone. Oopsie. My name is Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva 3.0. I might have to demote myself with that, though. I'm kind of deciding. I don't don't know how I feel about that. But anyhow, it is trending Thursday. And I want to tell everyone about our guest today. She really is an amazing, busy mom. Her name is Adrienne Delgado. She is a registered licensed dietitian, about 20 years or more in outpatient nutrition care, and she is also the author of her first book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, A Busy Woman's Guide to a Healthier Mind, Body, and Life. And there's so much more I could say, but I would just take up the whole podcast and who wants to listen to me, blah, 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 blah. Without further ado, Adrienne, good morning and welcome to the Two Sisters podcast. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, wonderful. Um, You know, a lot of times when you work in the health and wellness industry, there are so many different components that go along with the, what you call the root work. And I would love if you can kind of dive into that a little bit and give our viewers and audience Uh, a glimpse really about what you do.
2: Yeah. So, so like you said, I'm a registered dietitian. I've been one for almost 20 years. Uh, and I, I love working in the outpatient community because this is where I get to actually form relationships with people and get to know them. Um, I get to know their families, their lifestyle, and that's all really important information. Mm -hmm. So, um, Basically, when I say root work, it's getting to the root of the problem. It's not slapping Band-Aids on things. I mean, most people that come into my office, I would say 99% of them know what they should be doing, but they just don't know how to get out of their own way and actually create change. And a lot of it is because of limiting beliefs or because of habits that have uh they've created, you know, for decades, and they just don't know how to think about food in a different way and kind of deescalate it. You know, a lot of us, we elevate food so much because it becomes our comforter. It becomes our companion. It's, you know, our habit at nine o'clock at night. And to just say to somebody, well, don't eat at nine o'clock at night, it's a little bit more complicated than that. So that's where I like to get into the root of things. What are people's thoughts around food? What emotions do they uh, carry around food? And let's talk about that versus, hey, you know what? You should eat another serving of vegetable. That's important too, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I think internally people know that. It's a little bit more than just eat more fruits and vegetables.
1: Um, so well said, and I couldn't agree with you more about the nighttime eating part of it. And just from my experience in coaching clients and what I've done myself is, you know, that's kind of the time at night where we're kind of winding down and, you know, maybe we're binge watching something on Netflix, you know, whatever it may be. But then you see a food commercial come on and something in my head always triggers. Oh, why? Yes, I am hungry. Let me go to the refrigerator. And I always do that. And I still do it to this day. And I I totally admit that. However, you know, I've learned to be more creative with that and eat something that's a little bit healthier and and not go for that gluten-free chocolate chip cookie or whatever it may be. But I also love what you said about the limiting beliefs and trying to de-escalate that and how would one person how would a person whether it's male or female in your opinion really take a really good look at their limiting beliefs as far as that goes because typically we do things because they're comfortable for us Even though we know it may not be good for us, we do it anyways, because it's normal and comfortable. And I don't know about you, but I love normal and comfortable, just like the next person. So I really would love for you to touch upon different things that people can do to kind of tackle those limiting beliefs.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. So let me right. make sure I can I can address all of that. So I think part of it is, first of all, obviously, step one is awareness. We don't even know what some of those thoughts are that are circling in our head because they're habit. We've had them for so long. And what I always say to my clients is, your brain will believe whatever you repeat, So if you have had a statement that you've told yourself for many, many years, your brain actually does not know the difference as to whether or not that thought is true or false. It accepts it as true because you've said it so many times that your brain actually starts to look for ways to validate and support that statement because it must be true, you've told yourself that. So part of it is first, I think the first step is You know, figuring out what are those thoughts that are circling in your head that you think in a fraction of a second, right? It's not something you you sit and you, oh, should I, shouldn't I, should like you're making split-second decisions, and there's thoughts that are coming into your head because, like you said, our brain likes comfortable, our brain likes routine, our brain likes structure, it likes habits, it likes putting things into nice patterns and making connections. And so part of this is exactly what you said. We like comfortable. It's being okay with not being comfortable. I think that's a great first step. And so what that means is journaling for me, I I don't like journaling like half a cup of this and a cup of that. I don't like journaling that kind of stuff. It's too tedious. Um, I know for me personally, I'm not gonna do it long-term. So I like to create habits that I can see myself doing five years from now, not just short-term habits. But for me, journaling is really important because it brings awareness to what habits we have. All right, so I like to look at patterns and trends. I don't like to see, oh, you had three quarter cup of this instead of a half a cup. I have no interest in any of that. I wanna see the habits and trends that people are building. So once we can identify that, then we know what our next action step is. And so let's say, let's go to your example, Janice, about nighttime eating, right? I know I overeat at night. So what I would recommend for you to do is I would recommend put yourself, like deliberately put yourself in the situation of eight o'clock at night, sitting on the sofa, watching TV, know you're putting yourself in that position. And then when the thought comes to your mind, I want to eat something instead of reacting and going and grabbing the chocolate or the cookies or whatever, I want you to just sit there and experience the uncomfortable and start to notice all of the crappy thoughts (laughs) that start rising to the surface. You know, the ones that say, I don't care, just do it. Or you can start your diet tomorrow. It's no big deal. Or you already screwed up today. So you might as well keep going or I don't care. I just want to do what I want to do. And I don't want to have to be held accountable. Whatever those crappy thoughts that you have in that split second, I want you to let them come to the surface. And I want you to identify them because it's Mm. really hard to come up with a negating sentence. If you don't even know what those thoughts are. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that? Okay. Yes,
1: absolutely. Carol, Sue, what what do you think about that? Because I know we talk about this all the time.
0: We do. And I think it's just kind of recognizing those habits and knowing that they are changeable. A lot of people think, well, how can I do it? Well, you just put one foot in front of the other and you start making a list. When do you find that you're having those cravings or when you are boredom eating, as I call it, and journal it not to, like you said, talking about recipes and and I had you know, this and that. So that works for people. So we don't wanna discourage people that that works for them. However, I one of the simple things that I've really found very helpful is actually allowing whatever I'm eating to actually hit my belly before I think and go to the next thing to eat. Because a lot of times, a lot of people will just eat and eat out of boredom and they're not even waiting for whatever food that they, they consume to hit their belly to know that wait a minute my body is full but i gotta give it time so i really try to make it a point to eat slower which is again a ha- it's happened for me because i'm naturally a fast eater we grew up with six children we had a lazy susan where the food was there and if you didn't grab it and get it while you could you were left out it, that's just how it was And I think a lot of our habits are actually formed at a very young age. You know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, you didn't have the snacking that we do today. When you had dinner, you sat down at the dinner table. That's when food was prepared and you ate dinner there. You didn't have another snack an hour later, two hours later, whatever. You had three consistent meals. We've evolved in such a way of I think in a sense of just that urgency that I want it and I want it now and we don't know how to pause it and that is really could really is the root of for today's generation that's what they're used to you know what do we see advertised all over the place different snack size uh pretty looking ziploc bags and containers so we always have it seems like food and the availability to eat at 24 7 is so out there, and that is a totally different mindset from when we grew up. So I think today's generations have it more difficult because of what's being kind of thrown in their face. Like, well, you know, I'm going out to the grocery store. I got to make sure, you know, this kid has this snack, this kid has that snack. I have to have all this prepared. A little cooler in the car. We've come to so eat on the go that I think that is contributing to the bad habits of when we are settled in our own home. Therefore, for me, I really, I put restrictions on, because I intermittent fast, so I have a a window that I stick to. And for me, it works out great. I find that I don't do that after eight o'clock eating, unless of course I've got some flexibility going out to dinner, it's the weekend, that kind of thing. So I don't wanna deprive myself of ever eating after a certain time frame, but I'm really conscious of the time.
2: Yeah. Well, I, like you said, when I grew up, we didn't have 24 hour grocery stores, like the grocery store closed at eight o'clock. And if you needed food after that, uh, hopefully you could find a gas station <laughs> that's had milk because, you know, we just didn't have that accessibility. And you're right. Like we grew, like my kids grew up in a time of, you're going to the doctor's you're only going to be the doctor for an hour, but we better pack a snack just in case the kids need it. And so we don't know how to delay gratification. We don't know how to sit in the uncomfortable because everything is just handed to us. The minute we the brain thinks of an idea, I want this. Well, of course, then we meet that need. I mean, look at Amazon Prime. We can't even wait for things to ship to us anymore. It has to be that day or the next day. So it's really hard then to make that switch over.
0: Exactly, and what do you think about too? Is I always, you know, because we grew up with designated dinner times. Usually, it was five o'clock, you know, dinner. So we'll work with the dinner. I have actually changed my thinking, and it's been really, really helpful. Is I only eat when I'm hungry. So in other words, if and it's so funny because the community that we are in, uh, Vero Beach we we go out a lot of times and you know we'll start out you know at five o'clock and i'm like what am i in the blue plates special and it's a kind of a joke in the neighborhood that i live in because they tend to eat earlier not that they're old fogies or anything like that it's just ju- just the way that the neighborhood is and we we do go out to eat with a lot of our friends here and i've really kind of developed that if i know that i'm going to do that early dinner hour that I don't necessarily prepare, I will make sure that I do my nutritional, my vitamins, my supplements later to kind of carry me over because I truly want to enjoy the meal, but I don't want to go out and then say, oh, I'm not, I'm not really hungry. I think part of people are, you know, when you have that plate of food, I always try to take less because what frequently happens, the other kind of scenario that Americans, especially in America, we have a large abundance. Everything is supersized. Everything is big. Everything is large, depending on the restaurant that you go to or the fast food joint, which I'm not a big fan of that. Everything is supersized. So what I have found that really works is to make sure that when I am eating, that I'm truly hungry, that, you know, my stomach's growling and I'm, I'm famished. I want to eat. But I also am very mindful of, hey, I'm not so hungry. So guess what? I'll only eat a third of this. And I'm going to box the rest or even at home. I always, you know, being Italian, we, we cook. We, it's difficult to cook for two people, but we start out very small. And then, you know what? If you're still hungry, go back for seconds. So I think America as a whole, we just tend to like, oh, we got to eat. We can't waste. Well, the way to get around the waste part of it is just take less. And then also a good tool to make sure that you're actually eating when you're actually hungry.
2: Oh, absolutely. So I like to share with my clients, so if you've ever seen the, the my plate model before, so a quarter of your plate starch, a quarter of your plate protein, half your plate vegetables. But this is the part that we don't necessarily teach. We, we tell people how to set up their plate, but then we assume that because our plate is set up correctly, that must mean that is the volume that we should eat. And that's not necessarily true. And I say, your head doesn't get to make the decision whether or not you're full. The only part of your body that gets to make that decision is your stomach because it is the vessel that holds the food. (laughs) And so we look at a plate as almost like a challenge. Well, if this is what you put in front of me, then this must be what I'm supposed to eat. And like you said in the land of supersize where we want to see value for our dollar um if we have larger plates then we assume that i'm supposed to eat all this because the person who served it knows better and we we don't let our stomach decide the volume i give this example i was doing a workout the other day it's a workout i've done many times before and that i've completed no problem that particular day the workout was hard i had to use modifications right? Other days, the workout's too easy and I have to increase my weights. I don't know that going in until I actually start doing the work. Some days the workout's perfect for my my muscles. Some days it's too easy. Some days it's too hard. But I want people to think about that with their food. You go into a plate. It doesn't mean that the plate has to be finished. You don't know that until you actually start eating and you listen to the signals of your body. Some days that plate... Will be perfect. Yep. Some days it'll be not enough. Some days it'll be too much. But we don't get to overthink it. We just get to honor our body signals. And I think that's what trips people up. How do we identify those signals? But then more importantly, how do we honor our body?
0: Absolutely. And I think tools. You know, uh, you know, where most people are visual. So for me, if I truly know. That okay, you know I'm 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 having friends over or you know just the family eating, but I'm not super hungry. I really adjust my I, I I don't adjust my plate size and volume. I actually physically adjust the plate. So for some dinner, I'm actually using a lunch plate. It's a smaller plate. It's just a visual aid for me and i go according like that and now that i'm kind of used to that style i can now transfer those that same visual on a larger plate it takes a while to to get used to but -hmm. i really found that again it was a physical tool that would help guide me into knowing you know the, the portions that you're actually talking about so I I love all these good tools and then really just kind of identifying and know that you have to pivot each day can be a pivot as to how you're going to approach that. Just like with, with fitness. What do you think, Jan?
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know, this morning when I got home from kickboxing, normally I, I typically will intermittent fast. It's just what my body's used to. and, And I eat when I'm hungry, but all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I am so, like, I was ravenous. I had to eat something right then and there. Whereas other days it doesn't even phase me, but I always try to, you know, obviously water, you know, if I'm like, oh, you know, am I eating because I'm ravenous and I need to eat or am I eating just because I want that? And most of the time it's because I want something. So I try to have a glass of water and I'll put like a little bit of cranberry juice in it just to give it a little bit more flavor. And usually I'm fine, but you know, you have to do what works for you, but be mindful of it at the same time. So back in 2019, um, I'd like to touch upon your book, of course, Nourish, Eat, repeat and i know that you love gardening and you're a farm to table type of gardener and we would love to hear more about that
2: yeah so we live um on a Uh, It's it's like more of a farmette, if you want to call it that. It's a four acre farm. We have chickens. That's the extent of our animals. But um, we have a very large garden at our house. We have five kids. And so just to make it more economical, if you guys know you grew up in a big family, um, the garden is is just such a blessing for us. And every year we make it a little bit wider and a little bit longer. We might build another raised bed. Um, So it's not something that we started out having this huge garden because obviously we, my husband and I work both full time. We have a lot of children. And I think when people think of gardens, they think they have to like go big right away. And I got to do all the things. And what happens is you get very overwhelmed quickly. And then you've got A plot of land full of weeds, because it does get overwhelming. So I always tell people, please start small, start with a raised bed, start with just a small plot of land and grow your favorites and start there until you get used to how much time it needs to be invested and how much work and what you're willing and able to do. But I will say that I am a firm believer that my family, my kids are much better eaters because of the process of gardening the getting their hands in the dirt, growing the, the vegetables, harvesting them, cooking, uh, preserving. They're an integral part of all that process. And um, yeah, we love it. And our grocery bill is ridiculously lower <laughs> over the spring, summer, and fall than it was this winter because um, just being able to eat literally right out of the garden.
0: I absolutely love that. And it's, it's an activity which I frequently label forced family fun but at the same time you're actually teaching them the value you know and really the blessing of our land to like you said to cultivate to to feel the soil and knowing that you're nurturing i do know and you frequently will see this with with school age young school age children they get excited because sometimes in science that they're you know they get the little cup and they're they're they just you know they planted whatever they planted whether it's a flower or fruit vegetable whatever it may be and you see the enjoyment on their face of watching it grow and like you said you don't have to start off big you can actually start even with potted plants you know if tomatoes is your thing you know put that in a pot Uh, you know, basil, you know, herbs, whatever it may be, and really making an activity with your family to really show the value of cropping, you know, which is a very lost, what I call a lost art. I mean, you have those families of, you know, tradition after generation doing the whole farm thing, but so many people are really understanding and acknowledging the junk that's currently produced in our food, whether it's chemicals, whether it's, you know just bad things for you fillers and they realize you know going organic is the way to go but sadly if you want to go organic and you're not kind of doing some of that farming even potted plants on your own it can be expensive which is when you think about it it's kind of odd but because of obviously the soil and keeping it from chemical free and all that that's the reason why but such a great way to combine learning doing something as a family where you're 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 mentoring them and having fun with it and and then actually seeing the the fruits of your labor on your dinner plate I think that that's awesome a little bit of a freeze up there
1: yeah yeah
2: well and that's the whole point of the book the book is like specifically in the subtitle it's like a busy mom's guide because I wanted people the book is about all nutrition, but I wanted people to realize like, okay, I don't have to do all the things, but I can do one small step. And, you know, here's a very practical guide to how to incorporate nutrition into our busy family's lifestyle. And so little things that I hear, or I read, or I see on Pinterest, all those things that I feel like I should be doing, how do I actually turn that into the execution part? How do I... Give me the small steps. Give me the small wins that I can feel really good about um, and pass on to my family. And, you know, like you said earlier, so many of our habits are created in our youth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we, we just assume, well, they're kids. They can eat that extra sugar. They can have that extra candy. And um, because their metabolisms are so fast, they're going to burn it off. And I'm like, but it's a little bit deeper than that. It's, you're setting them up for habits that they're going to take with them into adulthood. And then they're going to become adults and their metabolisms aren't going to be so fast. <laughs> and then they're going to come to me because I don't know why I can't stop eating candy all the time. So it's really setting the foundation at a young age because it's what's going to carry them through and, you know, I love being able to see the whole process from teaching people, but then also actually showing them the cooking part, the what to look for when you're at the grocery store, how to plant something and and bring it into your home and, and eat it. So it's kind of making the whole nutrition part full circle.
0: Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that idea. And like you said, it's just, you know, we don't realize the importance and the oppression that we have because a lot of times, you know, those new parents. They start off obviously at the very beginning, and a lot of people are doing the purees, they're doing the, the the different types of feeding, lead feeding for the for the children. And somehow when they after they've kind of gotten to that toddler stage, and when the toddler's recognizing, hmm, there's more in the world outside besides peas and carrots, and they just kind of naturally get into that habit. And it's an ongoing process to really nurture. And let them understand the value of nutrition, and that our gut is really our second brain, and how important our gut is. I love that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we're just we're firm believers of of teaching them young, uh, cultivating those easy things. So it's not, it's funny. So every year I'll go into a preschool and I will teach them about different fruits and vegetables. We do a whole colors of the rainbow talk. Obviously, we didn't do it this year or last year because of COVID, but it always shocks me how little knowledge. Now, granted, I'm dealing with you know three-year-olds and four-year-olds. I know my audience, but so many of them have no clue about basic fruits and vegetables. They don't know the name. They've never seen them before. Um, and so it really, it starts young. Like my, my, all my kids, they know pretty much every single fruit and vegetable there is out there. They probably could tell you how to grow it now granted I know that's a little bit different than most people but you know if the kids are always fed chicken nuggets and french fries right you know they're not going to ever learn to appreciate the different fruits and vegetables and to your comment parents are just tired i mean i'm tired all the time i don't want to have that fight with my kids there's other things that we have to do and so i understand why sometimes it's easier to give up it's almost like the whole um, training your kids to sleep through the night. You know, those first couple weeks are horrific. But once you get past it, it's good. And sometimes... What, what advice could you give
0: someone? Because now we're, we're giving a lot of bit of information with, with, with different mindsets, knowing and recognizing those different habits, being intentional, planning is one thing. So now you've got someone who has not done any of this. It's just like kind of just off the cuff, you know, run their house, their groceries, eating the whole nine yards. Now all of a sudden they're over inundated and they're hearing this podcast. And they said, my God, how do I even begin? What simple three steps can you give them to start out? Because we talk about that. You can't just jump in, especially like a garden. You don't visualize this huge thing, just start out small. So what three tips could you give our listeners and viewers of a way to just start.
2: Okay, so again, I like simple, because if we're simple, then you know we're in good place. So first of all is let's start with that plate, right? Let's just get our plate organized. So a quarter of your plate should be your starch, like your potato, your rice, your pasta, your bread, um, even corn and peas go in that category. Um, a quarter of your plate should be protein. So this could be chicken, pork, beef, fish, eggs, beans, some type of protein source. And then half your plate vegetable, right? So again, whatever vegetables. I always like to use my hand because your hand is with you wherever you go. You don't need to bring a measuring cup with you. So your protein, your meat should be the size of the palm of your hand and the thickness. Your starch should be about a fist and your vegetables should be two empty palms. Mm. Oh, I love that. So let's I to dish. I love that. Yes, let's just make it really simple and just lay out our plate. Okay, we can decide again. Our stomach gets to decide how much of that to eat, but at least we're putting things on our plate in a right in a better way. For me personally, I always make two vegetables with dinner because that way, if one of my kids doesn't like the vegetable I prepared, choose the other one. Right. right. Um, plus, if we have a lot of color on our plate, it's emotionally more stimulating. Right. So that's step one. Let's just even get our plate set up a little bit differently. Um, Step two, I would say is start to identify what are your hunger signals, right? Jenny talked earlier about, um, I think I'm hungry. I'm not sure. And so part of it is getting very, very clear on what are your hunger signals? How does your body communicate physical hunger to you? That way, if you're ever in one of those moments of, I don't know. I think I'm hungry. Should I eat? I'm not sure. If you know what to look for, then the answer is very easy to, to come to. Right. But if you don't even know what you're looking for, like I would say 90% of people that come into my office, they just assume that a growling stomach is the way their body communicates hunger.
1: Oh.
2: But if I ask them and I say, okay. are you hundred percent sure? Then all of a sudden they're like, well, wait, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever let myself get hungry. I've always been so scared of hunger.
1: That's a great point.
2: So how does your body communicate hunger to you? How do you figure that out? You actually delay a meal, right? We don't have to make this complicated. Delay a meal for a half an hour and check in, do like a scan, pretend you're a scanner and start at the top and work your way down and start to notice any sensations in your body. And that's how you'll learn what hunger signals are to you. They're different for everybody. People right. get one or a combination. Usually the later, or though I should say the longer you wait, the more intense those signals become. So that your early, true. your early cues may be different than your late cues. And it's important to know what they are. All right. And so, and then the third tip I would say, just to get started, is well, this is actually kind of a fun tip. All right. So I would say, if you walk into the kitchen and you don't know what you want, that is always thirst, not hunger. How many times have you opened up the refrigerator door and you're like, what do I want? What do I want? And then you eat something and you're like, no, that wasn't it. What do I want? Guilty. Right. And that right there, that is never hunger. That is thirst. All right? Love that. so your body, your thirst mechanism is a lot weaker. And so we often mistake the two. So actually, the more hydrated you are, the easier it is to discern hunger from thirst. So making sure you drink enough water throughout the day, I always say aim for half your body weight in ounces.
0: Yeah, we often talk about that. When we also say that is, again, that also depends on certain people cannot do that. So we want to make sure- That you check with your physician, your medical group, your nutritionalist because there are some people that cannot drink half their body weight water. So we want to be clear on that. These are all such great, great tips. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the the last one because I'm I'm pretty good about that. I kind of I I can say that I probably caught myself twice this week. Now that you mentioned it, opening up and hmm but the good thing is i shut it i did shut the refrigerator and i went for a seltzer water so obviously i'm kind of already in tune to that and i don't even know how cool is that but we love the fact that you brought so much we'd love to do a follow-up with you and you're adding so much value how would our viewers listeners get a hold of you
2: so a few ways, um, probably easiest way is like Instagram, Facebook. I think a lot of people are on the social media. So our handle is at body metrics, health, uh, that is the company that I work for. Um, and then as well, I have a, my own podcast as well called nourish, eat, repeat it's after the book. And so feel free to come and listen to some more information about nutrition and mindset and all the above.
0: Oh, we love that. Thank you so much. And we've given uh, so much great information, so many great golden nuggets for all of you. And I love it because that would be a great, that's what should be trendsetting, some healthy eating and really understanding and listening to our body, knowing when we're hungry and knowing when we're thirsty is two big keys going into a weekend. So with that, it's trending. You be the trendsetter. You show... Gosh, how you can like be the leader in that. And if it starts out with just being the leader in the center in your own family and showing them how to eat a little bit healthier, start with the plate. We gave you three, three great, great tips. With that, this is Carol Sue, AKA Naughty Boss. Live from, again, it's still a little gloomy. Usually the sun's starting to pop out and I see it's a
1: little brighter. This is uh, also Lady Canna with two. Sisters, and hey everyone. My name is Janice, AKA Wellness Diva. 3.0. I think we're going to stick with that. I kind of still love the sound of that. But anyways, and I love the sound of my voice just saying, ha ha. You know, Adrian, I want to thank you so much on behalf of Two Sisters. It was great having you on. We can't wait to do the follow-up podcast. Everyone, I will make sure that, um, that Adrian's information is below this live video, and we'll get that posted on there today. You be the trendsetter. Have a great Thursday, everyone. And we will see you tomorrow. Fair event, happiness, Friday. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.